Exodus 27, verse 1. Just one verse here, we'll move to another reading. Now shalt make an altar of sittim wood, five cubits long and five cubits broad. The altar shall be, notice, four square, and the height thereof shall be three cubits. Notice, four square. Altar is four square. Chapter 28, verses 15 and 16. Now shalt make the breastplate of judgment with cunning work. After the work of the ephod, thou shalt make it of gold, of blue, and of purple, and of scarlet, and of fine twined linen. Shalt thou make it four square? It shall be, being doubled, a span shall be the length thereof, and the span shall be the breadth thereof. And our third reading is in First Book of Kings, please, chapter 18. First Kings, chapter 18. Let your eye please run down. Let's read from verse 28. And it came to pass, when midday was past, they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that there was neither voice nor any to answer nor any that regarded, that is, the prophets of Baal. Verse 30, and Elijah said unto the people, Come near unto me. And all the people came near unto him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. And he took twelve stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, unto whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be thy name. With the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench about the altar as great as would contain two measures of seed. And he put the wood in order, and he cut the bullock in pieces and laid him on the wood. And said, fill four barrels of water and pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. And he said, do it the second time. And they did it the second time. And he said, do it the third time. And they did it the third time. And the water ran round about the altar. And he filled the trench also with water. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel and that I am thy servant and that I have done all these things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God and that thou hast turned their heart back again. The fire of the Lord fell, consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord, He is the God, the Lord. He is the God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the wonderful sense of your presence. Thank you, Father, for your Son. Thank you for His sacrifice. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. We pray now, Lord, that you would just move upon us and lead us and guide us in thy word and glorify your own precious name, we ask it. Amen. 
repairing the altar of the four square gospel. This is our third evening. We trust it will be a different evening. It's the same title, same scripture readings. This one's a bit more in length, the last reading. But we trust it will be a blessing and instruction and encouragement to each and every heart this evening. You see the difference when the altar is repaired. You see the difference not only to the faith of Elijah, but you see the difference to the unbeliever that's seen all around, the backslider, apostate Israel. Remember, this is the ten tribes of the northern kingdom of Israel. And you can see the difference it makes in their life when there's a show-and-tell gospel. When there's a show-and-tell ministry. In other words, when the altar's repaired and God answered by fire, that show-and-tell gospel turned the hearts of those who had fallen away from God back again onto him. And even those of the prophets of Baal who were unbelievers and heathen and pagan, they were crying out that there only is one true and living God And that is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel. They said, the Lord, or Yahweh, or Jehovah, he is the God. The Lord, he is the God. Notice the difference in a nation before the altar is repaired. It is apostate. It's in sin. There's sexual immorality everywhere. The temple worship of, of the heathen is rife in the land. You could liken it to the mosques and the temples that we see in our own land. Not really here in Northern Ireland as much, but in the United Kingdom itself and even in the United States and so on. And you can see all of that coming in and influencing. You can see that of, of men who are, who are uh, secular and women who are tearing down this altar stone by stone, which our nation was grounded upon and founded on the very law of Almighty God, the statutes and the commandments of the Lord in our nation have been torn down. The name of Jesus has become a byword, a curse word, and a swear word. The name of the Lord Jesus is on everyone's lips, everywhere you go, whenever they feel they want to abuse it. Notice how they don't abuse the name of Allah. You know why they don't abuse the name of Allah or Confucius or any other name? Because only in the name of Jesus is there power. There's power in the name of Jesus. Don't blaspheme another name if you're not going to try to tear the power of it and the meaning of it. But in the name of Yeshua, the name of Jesus, there's power to save. There is power to heal. There's power to baptize. And that name is the powerful name of our soon coming King. And the altar of the four-square gospel has been systematically destroyed, taken down stone by stone, as it were. But Elijah, can you see him? He lifts an alt- a stone to repair the altar of the Lord, and he lifts it. Can you see the sweat on his brow? You see, if we are to try and win our nation, if we are to try and win our loved ones and people in our society, in the town where we live, the village here, if we are to try we, uh, and win them through the preaching of the word, then you and I really need to start building our own selves and our own lives before them to have a show-and-tell gospel that we can give them something real. 
This gospel, this word that we have, it isn't one that beats the air where we're, we're praying and expecting nothing to happen. I was praying with someone just last week and they said to me, I think I'm going to die. I've made my funeral preparations and I'm going to just pass this scene of time. And I said, well, I'm not going to pray then because I'm praying that you'd get out of that bed. I'm praying that you'll be healed in Jesus' name. And if you're ready to give up and go, then what's the use in me praying? Let the Lord take you. And they looked at me with startled eyes. And it says, pray. And they're doing well. Let us have a show and tell gospel where we pray in Jesus' name. We pray, as it were, with fervor. We intercede. We get involved in that spiritual realm and tear down the power of the enemy. Tear down the strongholds of the wicked one. And it takes time It takes effort. And whenever we're not seeing results happening, we don't give up. We press on in until God says otherwise, I still believe his word and still believe he will do it. We need to press into God. See Elijah taking a stone and he sets it down and back in its place. And he takes another stone and he sets it down back in its place. And he takes another stone and he sets it down back in its place. And that's how our lives should be rebuilt when things that have been taken from us that are true, that are rich, that are precious of the word of God and systematically taken down. Well, maybe Jesus saves, but I don't know if he heals. Or maybe Jesus saves and he's the coming king, but I don't know about this baptism in the Spirit. These are stones of our altar of the four-square gospel that revivals came through. And when God broke in upon like of the Jeffreys brothers and many others like them, and revival came, saving and healing power came, the infilling of the Holy Ghost, and they're waiting for the coming of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Notice what Elijah does. He puts the wood on the altar, then he takes that and he fills four, has four barrels of water filled and three times he mentions filling these four barrels of water. Now, if you're a mathematician like myself, four threes are 12 and I got it right. 12 stones, 12 barrels. Speaking of the word of God over the nation, the word of God over Israel, the word of God over Britain, the word of God over our homes and over our lives, speaking of that cleansing power of the word in the Christian life. And then there was the sacrifice put upon it. Here's a little, a little sidelight for the Christian who's seeking God and who maybe has has been praying, Lord, open the door, and you're not sure if this door is the right door for ministry, or or if this door is not sure if that's the right door to go. And maybe, maybe it's just in your workplace, and you've been asking God, pour water on it. Make it impossible to light. Make it impossible to happen, unless it's God. Pour water on it. And if it's of God, he'll lick up all the things, the impossibilities that you've poured upon it. Don't jump through hoops to get there. God will open a door that no man can shut. And God will shut a door that no man can open. And when the water's on the altar, Elijah is saying this, 
the washing of the water of the word upon the nation. And he's saying, unless God lights this altar, unless God answers by fire, there's no chance of getting this lit. And I know in modern day, in the modern age, we can get some petrol or, or something flammable and pour it over it and it might catch fire after a second, a third or a tenth chance. We, we might get a fire going. But Elijah didn't have the luxury of having a gallon of petrol down at the local station. Elijah says, this has to be God. But if it's God, it will work. And if it's God, we will have a real show and tell gospel. Do you know when we're praying and seeking God, if God is real, let's believe him to start showing his mighty arm made bare. A show and tell word. In other words, what he says he means, and he means what he says, that God can do exceeding and abundantly above all you and I could ever ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Let's repair and rebuild the altar of the Lord in our lives. Now we have looked over the weeks of how God uh, had told that the, the, the breastplate of judgment which Israel and the twelve stones were on was to be four square. And we looked at that. We also looked at the four square altar of our first reading in Exodus 27 and verse 1. We can't go into it for time's sake and we've already done that over a week or two. But you can get a CD there if you want. Um, maybe Denise will run you off one. Look at verse 30 of First Kings 18. Speaking of Elijah, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. Now we started here in the week one. We're still on this word. He repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. Remember, the word repair is the word rafa, and it means to heal and means to be healthful or full of health. In other words, the altar was broken down and Elijah healed the altar. Elijah did something that would make a difference in the nation and in the land. And you know, if you and I are not preaching the greatest altar that ever there was, the cross of Christ, then there will be no healing in our nation. There will be no healing in our land. There will be no healing at all. For only through the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ can we be healed from our sin and from our sicknesses. And at that altar we find that he bore it all and he paid it all in his own body when he hung bleeding and dying for us at Calvary's tree. Now I notice what happens here. He repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. Rapha, remember we looked at how this word in some of the uh, the very Psalms, it means the exact same. And we have given uh, some clue to what they mean. For example, I am the Lord that healeth thee. I am the Lord that heals you, keeps you in health. It's Rapha. It's the same as Elijah repairing stone by stone the altar. He believed that if he repaired the altar and God answered by fire, then the presence of God and the anointing of God upon that altar would make a difference to everyone who's seen it, would make a difference to everyone who were told of it, and all would flock to it. In other words, they would come to the living God, their hearts would be changed, and the problem is today, too many of us have the altar of a broken heart where we have allowed worldliness and ungodliness and filthiness of the flesh and the lusts of the flesh and all the things and desires of the eye and we have allowed it to take down the altar of the Lord bit by bit, step by step, stone by stone and it's broken down 
Your altar needs healed if your heart's like that. Your altar needs healed. And it takes effort like Elijah did. But when God moves in your heart and sets it on fire again, this is what you find. That others take notice. They sit up and they watch and they see something is different in him. Something is different in her. I know as young converts here and you're finding your way and we are here to help you, here to strengthen you, here to encourage you. And that's what we're here for. But here's something for the older believer. What sort of repair does your altar need? What sort of repair in your heart does your altar need? It might take effort. It might take a struggle. But God will answer as it were by fire if you start to put things into place again. And you'll be different. I want to be careful when I say this, but one time I, was, I met someone. They were speaking to me and jovial and things were fine. And, and the Lord showed me something. I knew nothing about this. The Lord just showed me something. And this might sound strange to some of you, but I seen a spirit on them. I was standing in a shop, just like that. It was only a few weeks, a lot of weeks ago. I seen a spirit on them. And I looked and I seen it. And it was drawing them away to a life of worldliness and lust. And I left them, never said anything, didn't know what to do. And I came home and Alson saw me troubled. He says, what's wrong? I says, I met someone. And I seen a spirit on them. I don't know what to do. Should have cast it out. Maybe I should have. Standing in a shop full of people, they might think you're a lunatic as well. But I'm going to go to that person soon. Say, I need to talk to you. There was a spirit on them. And I could see it all over them. The altar needed repair there. And maybe I should have helped them repair the altar. Notice this. When we move into the things of the Spirit, just like now, folks, you'll hear the pin drop. This person was a professing Christian. Spirit wasn't in them. Spirit was on them. On them. You know, you can tell a man and a woman who love the Lord. You can tell in their conversation. You can tell in their lifestyle. You can tell when you meet them, this person loves Jesus. You can look at them and you can tell they love him. And you can tell when a man and woman has a prayer life. 
I'm not talking about a flowery prayer, knowing how to say big words as though you swallowed a dictionary. I'm talking about a heart prayer, fellowship and communion. You can tell when they know him. I mean, they know him. You can tell when someone worships him. See, those who have not a heart of worship, it's like hitting this wall. I'll probably play havoc with the sound, but it's like hitting a wall. When we move into the things of the Spirit, that's when lives change. Elijah repaired the altar stone by stone. And he called on God, and God answered by fire. Do you know the God who holds the universe and upholds all things by the word of his power? Do you know the God of the heavens and the earth who fills all things? Do you know that great eternal spirit, the Lord God, Yahweh, Jehovah, the great I am? See that self-same God who is mighty and all-powerful over all things and all people and all others, Who's none, there's none beside him, there's no close second, there's none like him. See that same God, that one and the self same God, he became flesh. But listen, that one and self same eternal God, he loves you. He loves you. And he condescends to have a relationship with you and me. When we gather together in our meeting, and the ecclesia of God is called out to assemble into this house, under this roof, that great eternal spirit, as it were, he magnifies or he concentrates or he manifests himself in our midst. People start to be conscious that he is the Spirit of God moving. And people are conscious and others are unconscious. And those who are conscious realize they're minority, they're minuscule. They realize they're nothing before him, yet everything in him. And they worship him because they love him. You see, when Jesus is called the baptizer in the Holy Spirit, people get a bit afraid. They get a bit annoyed and a bit worried. Some get their hackles up about things and they get a bit afraid because they don't understand. They have never experienced and they've had some sort of, I don't know, religious experience or feeling and, and, and they're afraid of, of what God might say or do or how he might manifest. And so they start to repel and to rebel. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is more than speaking in tongues and interpretation. Thank God for it, but it's more than that. It's opening you up the whole universe and more 
of an eternal spirit. And you can stand in a shop and God says, notice the spirit. Full of people. You'd have thought there was a, 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 how do you explain it? You'd have thought there was dark water flowing over them. And there it was. In a credit shop. Professing Christian. And the Lord told me their sin showed me what they were doing. And I came home and, oh, I was near sick. I mean physically, literally sick. And I says, I know this person and I'm afraid if I go to them, they'll wonder what's going on and they might even fall out with me, but I should be going. And I've been praying about it ever since. They need to repair the altar. The altar that was once built in their heart and get back to Calvary. Elijah calls him God and he answers by fire. You see, the God of this universe who is massive and mighty and great and majestic and powerful, he not only loves you, but he's gentle to his touch. To think that the God who upholds all things by the word of his power is able to touch the human heart with such a gentleness. He's able to, he's able to provoke us. He's able to come with his mighty hand and touch us like, uh, like a lion can lift its cub in its mouth without biting its head off. And he's able to take us and change us and, and gently move us. And even as it was prayed in a prayer meeting, Lord, David says, I gentleness have made me great. And the great God of the universe can do that. He answered by fire on Sodom and on Gomorrah. And it wasn't gentle fire. It was mighty fire. And he came down and he consumed them and he burnt them up because of their sin. But his fire on the day of Pentecost was powerful. Sound of a rushing mighty wind. Can you see that building starting to shake? Sounds like it's a hurricane coming. At a hundred, two hundred miles an hour. And suddenly it burst in the room where one hundred and twenty were sitting. And it just filled the room. And fire came and gently just laid upon their heads. That same fire that can burn the city. It's the same fire that can empower the Christian. It's the same fire. I know what fire I want to be under. I know what fire I want the Lord to send down into Donnacrony Elam. I know what fire I want for my family. And if you're playing with fire, be sure your sin will find you out. And if you're not in Christ, and if you're not walking with Christ, He might just send a fire into your life to burn up all you have. But if you repair the altar, I send that fire that will ignite your life and ignite your heart 
because you're to fall in love with him and you. It's like that Keith Green song when he said, Lord, please light the fire that once burned bright and clear. Replace the lamp of my first love that burned with holy fear. There's many whose lamp of their first love has went dim long ago. And we need God to set it afire again. Elijah repaired the altar of the Lord. The word repairs, we said, was to heal. I am the Lord that healeth thee. In other words, it's the same word, Rapha. Rapha. And we looked at Psalm 103, verses 1 to 3. It was, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgiveth all thine iniquities. Listen, who healeth all thy diseases. And the word healeth is the word Rapha. Every disease, every... Oh, we, we can believe, Lord, you're the Savior. Absolutely. But Lord, you're the healer. Maybe we could start to repair that altar of the four-square gospel in our midst. Here's a wee thought I had on this. I actually have went off my notes, so I'm going to have to do another night after Christmas. Will you forgive me of this? I've just went where the Spirit has led me. When we looked at the breastplate of judgment, remember the colors? Gold, blue, and purple. Scarlet. Gold, blue, purple, scarlet. Remember the colors, because we looked at how gold is deity, but gold also speaks of refined faith, tried in the fire, comes out like gold. Deity. God working in our life. And we looked at the other colors. We looked at, at blue. We looked at purple. Blue speaking of the, the, the omnipresence. Blue speaking of the omnipotence. Blue speaking of the omniscience. Omnipresent. God is everywhere at once. God is all powerful. His omnipotence. There's no end to his power. His, his omniscience, there's no end to his knowledge or where we are and what we do. I was out, I can't remember the day, I think it was yesterday morning, and I was walking my dog up the river, and he's running around there, and I'm praying, and there's no one around, as you know, and I, and I go there praying, and I'm seeking the Lord, and I'm walking up the field, and I walk back down again in the morning time, and there's no one about, and it's great. And I'm standing talking, and it was Trying to muster up that, that little mustard seed of faith which can move mountains and unpluck trees and cast them into the sea. And I'm saying, Lord, your word said it. And I was praying for Lindsay's mum. And I was praying for Mrs. Beattie. And I was praying for my own dad. And I was praying for others that need a touch from God in a mighty way. And I says, Lord, what is happening here? I was praying for Gary Alcorn. Praying for others. Oh, I'm sorely tried, brethren, sisters, me personally. I am sorely tried, and I am tried sore. But I won't give up. I believe in God. I won't give up. Strange how your preaching encourages yourself. Listen, see if a preacher's word doesn't get to him first. It senses him bringing it to you. 
not right, Jim. Not right, Mark. Senseless in bringing it to you. If this word doesn't speak first to me, I'm not going to preach it to you. Suddenly something that was said last Sunday night came to me. And oh, it just lifted my heart. I said it myself last Sunday night, actually, it lifted my heart. It was the color blue. How that woman touched the hem of the garment of Christ. The color blue speaks of God's power, his omnipotence and his omnipresence. There's healing power there. And I looked up, and you know, recently our skies are gray and black, and you can't see any blue. And that blue sky is where the power of God will return when Christ comes as King of kings and Lord of lords. So I walked up the field, I stopped, and there was a, a big chink in the cloud, and it seemed to open up. And there was blue sky. I just felt the Lord say to my heart, now look up. Not what the Spirit said tonight. Now look up. And I was praying away and I opened my eyes and I looked up and there's the blue sky and the word blue came. This is what the Lord spoke to my heart. I'll say this and we'll wrap it up and do another night after the new year or something. Listen to this. And I went walking and leaping and praising God up and down the field. If anybody has seen me, I thought I lost my mind. Just look up. Do I not know all? You do, Lord. Am I not almighty? You are, Lord. Am I not everywhere you go? Yes, Lord, you are. High, high am I. High above all others, Lord. High great am I. Greater than all others, Lord. That's the way the conversation started to go. I hope you have a conversation with the Lord like that, because I do. He says, now look. Remember this color of the sky. And as I looked up to the blue sky, I thought of his omnipresence and his omniscience and his omnipotence. I thought of his healing power. And this is the word he winged home to my heart. And you'll find it in Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9. My thoughts are not your thoughts, saith the Lord. Neither are your ways my ways. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my thoughts higher than your thoughts and my ways than your ways. And he says, Now the highest point of this planet, Mount Everest, cannot contain me. No, Lord. Am I higher than it? Yes, you are, Lord. Am I greater than it? Yes, Lord. Is there anything in this earth that can quench me and stop me? And I says, there's nothing like you, Lord, in this whole earth. Think about it, brethren. See the problems we have and the worries, sister, and the stresses and the strains and the hurts of it all and all the things that come against us. He is always higher than all of it. He is high and lifted up. And I said, Lord, you are magnificent. He says, then look to me. Look at me. 
The Lord is the saviour of the soul. He is the healer of the body. He is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. He is the soon coming king. And we're told that Elijah repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. The word broken down means systematically destroyed. Healing for our lives, for our families, for our homes, for our nation comes from that which is systematically being destroyed in the church and off the devil and the thoughts of her mind and the worries and the stresses and from those who want to bring us into godless environments and want to take from us and rob us, steal and kill and destroy, do the works of the devil in our nation, you know, all of that will be healed if we repair the altar of this four-square gospel for it is a show-and-tell gospel for God will come and God will answer by fire. And I trust that God will answer in the fire that refines or the fire that heals and blesses rather than on people, the fire that consumes for our Lord. Our God is a consuming fire. This is what they shouted, the Lord he is the God. The Lord, he is the God. And unless you and I get a reality of the gospel in our lives and what Christ can do and bring this word to our nation and not fanciful fairy tales and little stories and little cartoons and everything we're hearing nowadays. You heard the latest one, the latest craze. I think it's in New York, some church. They're having a meeting now, go to the pub meeting. And it's go to the pub and everyone have a few beers. <laughs> they want to be, you know, come alongside the word. Okay. They're destroying the altar of God, tearing it down. How about going outside and praying for those that are going in. <laughs> and being separate. Being separate. Listen, God bless you as I could go on because the message hadn't even started tonight. That's just what the Lord put in my heart. You see, when we look at Savior, you're not just saved. It's just said, we're saved, that's it. There's more than that. Do you know there's a spiritual realm? Would you be surprised if I told you tonight that in this little church building or our, the whole area here, would you be surprised if I told you that there's a spiritual invisible realm looking at you? <laughs> the devil likes to come to church sometimes, you know. The angels of God like to come to church sometimes. But here's one thing. Do you see when he, the Holy Spirit, comes to church? The devil says, adios. I'm away. I'm out of here. May we be an assembly, a church, that is founded upon the word, trusting in the blood, the name of Jesus, 
and filled with the power of the Holy Ghost. Because outside of that, we'll be like the sons of Sceva. We'll be saying, oh, thy foul spirit, leave this woman or leave this man. And they'll end up saying, who do you think you are? We'll jump on you and beat you up too. Do you know why this church has come under severe attack this last couple of weeks? Because God is moving. The devil hates it, but God is moving. Remember that. If God wasn't doing anything, the devil would leave us alone. The devil doesn't care if you come to church or not. The devil doesn't care if you walk in and sit in a seat in Donna Cloney and clock an hour and a half or two on a Sunday morning or a Sunday evening or both. The devil doesn't really mind. He doesn't care about that. Do you know when the devil cares and when the devil minds? When you start stepping out in faith for Christ. And when you take that step, he goes, Oh, I hate him! I hate her! He can hit all he wants, for the devil trembles when he sees the weakest sin upon his knees. Isn't that right? The devil can tremble tonight, because before we go home, we're going to praise the name of Jesus, and we're going to say to the devil, Devil, thou art not welcome in this place. You're a defeated foe. We're already on the victory team, on the winning side. We're already victorious in Christ.